Hi, hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Orange Juice Optional. Hey, Suzanne, how are you today? Hi, Michelle. I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm coming to you today from sunny Arizona. If we were recording this tomorrow, it would be from rainy Alaska. So I'm kind of bummed. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow's a big day. You head out, right? We do. We've delayed the trip as long as we can, just because things have been going on and we had to get some things done. But now we are going back and I've got all my boxes checked except for packing, which is stressing me out. It always stresses you out, but you always show up with great stuff and you just throw it in a bag and don't worry about it. No, but here's my thought process on this is in Arizona, you wear like shorts and in Alaska, you wear layers and I forget how to layer and I don't know what clothes I have in Alaska and I'm sure all my cute clothes are here. So now I have to go through all the clothes that I put away to find something to pack. Okay. Okay. And no offense to anyone who lives in Alaska, but in Alaska, you don't have to have cute clothes. And instead of worrying about it, why don't you, when you get to Anchorage, go to Target and just buy new clothes. (laughs) If you don't have what you need, just go buy it. And then you don't have to worry about it. Well, that's true. And I probably wasted too much time complaining about that. But I'm very stressed. And I'm very stressed to be going back to Alaska. Because this is the first time back really that we haven't owned our house. And so I'm going back to a townhouse, which is super cute. And we've done a great job moving our stuff into it, but not home. So I'm a little stressed about that too. I don't blame you. You have a lot on your mind. Yes. And you're traveling right now also. We were in Napa and then you came home and now you're in Atlanta, hot Atlanta. Yep. Atlanta. Actually, I think I really lucked out. Last week, they were having record heat. This week, it's been very comfortable, actually. Today's humid, but, you know, low 80s. And I get that I'm comparing it to Arizona heat at 110. But um, 80 is feeling mighty nice. Yes, it's a little break from the real heat or the Arizona heat. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I am here to do some shopping for my store. It's market time. And I'm here to pick out the fall and winter and probably even spring merchandise. So are you super excited to like just jump in? Are you feeling energized right now about all the cool things you might find? Yes, I wasn't scheduled to go today. Today's the opening day. And I'm waiting for a couple of my employees to fly in tomorrow night before we go. But I went to a couple of my favorite shops here in Atlanta. And like one of the shops, I went in and he said, Oh, I wish the owner were here to talk to you. But she's at market today. And I'm like, Oh, I could be there right now. And then I went to another one of my favorite shops here. And I actually met the owner, she was coming out of her store. And I said, Hey, how's it going? Because I follow her on Instagram. So I felt like we were good friends. (laughs) And she goes, Hey, I'm headed to market. It's like, Oh, so am I. And then I'm like, Oh, I need to get over there. So did you go? Did you end up going over to market today? Okay. Well, then I decided, okay, I'm going to just drive to market. Because this is my first time at the Atlanta market. We're usually in 
Las Vegas at the Las Vegas market. So I did. I drove downtown Atlanta and I love my GPS. Best thing that ever has happened to our world is that GPS is on your phone. Anyway, I get downtown, couldn't find parking, saw all the people going in and out of the buildings. I got intimidated and I drove away. <laughs> but I I went and saw it. <laughs> I just didn't get out of my car and go in yet. I could see how that would happen. And the best part is your employees are coming in so you can insist that one of them drive and deal with the parking and you just get to, well, you don't like giving up control. So never mind, strike that. Yeah. No, I already have parking covered. I, for the days we're going to be there, I prepaid for parking. So there's a spot reserved for me, you know, so it should be pretty easy peasy. I didn't have prepaid parking today. So that's why I was struggling, but I got this covered. Oh, yeah, you sure do. And so when you pull up to your assigned parking place, will it say why hello, modern homes, like it did in Napa when we showed up to tastings? (laughs) I I wish it would. But no, I don't think I'm not quite that important. I Uh, think it'll just be spot 2A. Well, I think you're that important. And I think that would be a very nice touch if they did something like that. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm sure I'm not the only one paying for my parking. I think it's kind of labor intensive to put signs up for everyone. But no, that is true. It would be. I am very, very excited. And at some point, I'm going to talk about these shops of mine, these shops of mine, these shops that I love in Atlanta. I mean, these are the best shops and I get so inspired when I go into them because they do such a good job. So anyway, at some point we'll talk about that. Another episode. Okay. Well, if you want to talk about it today, we can, or we can leave it for another episode. Nope. I think we need to move on with our original topic. Okay. I'm going to move on to the original topic, but I just have to share this. Today, Rob and I, we had gone to breakfast And we're sitting there and out of nowhere, he looks at me and he goes, have you ever heard of the word misophonia? And that's spelled M-I-S-O-P-H-O-N-I-A. And I said, yes, I actually have heard of that. And he goes, well, do you know what it means? I say, yes, it's like when a sound or something annoys you. So he goes, well, look it up and read it. And so I looked it up on wikipedia.org and it says misophonia Mm -hmm. is a disorder of decreased tolerance to specific sounds or their associated stimuli that has been characterized using different language and methodologies. And I looked at him, I'm like, what are you trying to tell me? And he goes, well, what does that remind you of? And I looked at him, we both started laughing. And do you know what it reminds us of? No. (laughs) it should I know it should but of course my mind went one direction and so now I'm trying to bring my mind back into what it could mean what it would have reminded you of because my mind went totally somewhere else it reminded both of us of you getting so annoyed at Jeff when he chews on ice cubes (laughs) okay perfect Perfect example of that. And my kids actually make fun of me because I definitely suffer from this this thing you're talking about. <laughs> Misophonia. What is it? Misophobia? Misophonia. There's an N in there. So I think it's misophonia or misophonia. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce okay. it, just how to spell it. Okay. Well, my dad used to say this 
to me, or not so much to me, but to anyone in the room at one point in his life. And now I say it all the time. When the TV is too loud, I will say, will you turn that down? It hurts my ears. And the kids think that is so hysterical that I say it hurts my ears. But it makes me nervous when the when the loud the sound is too loud, I get tense and I get worked up. And so I always have to say, can you turn that down? But yes, chewing ice, ugh, one of those sounds that I can't stand. My kids also have this phobia. I'm way off topic now, because if you take a bite of food on a metal fork, and then you touch your teeth as you're pulling the fork out, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard for my kids. And I apparently I do it all the time. And it drives my kids insane. So I think my whole family deals with some form of that misophonia. phonia. Oh, sounds. Yeah, it sounds like a Asian soup or something, but misophonia. Yes, my whole family, we know it well. So do they find it annoying when Jeff chews on ice cubes too? Or just when you eat with a fork? When I eat with a fork, and when he chews on ice, I would say yes, we they are annoyed by both. Okay, well, I'll just really quickly share because I have this also a lot of time smacking gum or chewing with your mouth open, like sounds like that really get under my skin. But it does say reactions to trigger sound range from anger and annoyance to activating a fight or flight response. The condition is sometimes called selective sound sensitivity syndrome and common triggers include loud breathing, chewing, swallowing, keyboard tapping, finger tapping, windshield wipers, or it could just be a sound associated with movement such as fidgeting. So there oh you have God. it. Who knew I had this syndrome? I have this syndrome because I was going to say, the other thing is I cannot stand the sound of someone chomping on gum. Oh yeah. I Annoying. hate that sound. Yeah. Well, and it, I, I get angry when someone's chomping on gum. The other thing that I cannot stand, which you also mentioned in so many words, is when someone slurps their food or their drink, you know, slurping coffee, slurping soup, slurping anything. I hate that sound. And it makes me angry. I have this syndrome and I didn't even know it. Yes, I do too. Because as you explained all of those sounds, I'm like, oh yeah, I agree. I absolutely get cringed out. Yeah. Yep. And I will call someone out on it if mainly my husband, if he's doing it, I'll say, don't slurp your food. Don't chomp your gum. Don't chew your eyes. Yeah, that, that's why Rob and I were it's laughing. It's not on him. <laughs> I know. And that's so funny because it's not really on him. It's probably a very normal sound. It just pisses me off. It yes. It's, yeah. Okay. And, it and doesn't, I'll own that. I'll own it, that. It doesn't trigger the warm fuzzies. It triggers anger. Yep. Anger. Yep. Well, That's too funny. Yeah. So we we just got a good laugh about that this morning. And Rob's like, you have to bring that up. I'm like, I definitely will. But we do have a topic today. We do. It's another syndrome that I didn't even know was a syndrome. And oh, my gosh. I, yeah. 100% sign me up for knew? this one. <laughs> yeah. And who knew? Who knew it was an actual thing? I thought it was just me. Yeah, no, it's a it's a big thing. And so do you want to go ahead and introduce it? Or do you want to go ahead and share with what brought this topic to our conversation, the experience? 
I am going to tell the story first and I'll keep it as brief as I can. But when we were in Napa, we had the great pleasure of meeting both the owner of one of the wineries we had a tasting at and his winemaker who had been at this winery for 19 years. It was his last day. And so the owner came in of the winery, came in for a while, sat down with us, answered questions. And then a little bit later, this winemaker came in and I was just so thought it was so cool that they were willing to take their time and come and just sit with us and answer our questions. So I kind of think I was firing questions at him quite a bit. I mean, and so at one point, the winemaker, I said, you know, so you've been here for 19 years, you know, let's go back to your first day on the job. Did you ever get that feeling that you were an imposter? Like everyone around you is depending on you making this great wine. And in your mind, you're saying, they're such fools. I don't know what I'm doing. And and I'm like, that's me. I'm just like that. It's like everyone around me thinks I know what I'm doing. And in my mind, I'm saying, honey, you don't have a clue what you're doing. Fooling a lot of people. Yes. And come to find out, it's a very, very real thing. And it's called imposter syndrome. And I found this definition at a website called verywellmind.com. And this is what it says imposter syndrome is. Imposter syndrome refers to an internal experience of believing that you are not as competent as others perceive you to be. While this definition is usually narrowly applied to intelligence and achievement, it has links to perfectionism and social context. I think that pretty much sums up what imposter syndrome is, although then you can get into causes, do you have it, how to work through it. I mean, there is so much on the subject that I really do think we might have to spend two episodes on this. We may have to, I have to agree. And I honestly, it's, I think it's the first time I've ever asked some stranger that question because it's always been something that has not at me. Like when I finished design school and, you know, you get your certificate. And I suppose everyone feels that way when they get their college degree or high school diploma, whatever their last level of school is. And when you're young, I don't, I think you have a little bit more idealistic arrogance. So you maybe don't feel like that imposter. But when you're someone who was my age, and all of a sudden they hand you a certificate that says you are now an interior designer, I'm thinking, no, I'm not. I am no more an interior designer than I was when I started this class. And yeah, and it took me a long time to get over that imposter feeling like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. What about you? Have you ever had this experience? Oh my gosh. I even probably had it when I was getting out of grade school. Like, really? I get to go on to junior high? No. Imposter syndrome has been a very good companion of mine all my life, and it continues to this day. Here, you know, about two years ago, I released my first children's book, Good Night, Sweet Bear, which Mm -hmm. is a huge accomplishment. However, yes, it is. I want to explain it away. Like, well, maybe people don't like it, or maybe like I went about it the wrong way, or 
instead of just saying, hey, I did this, I'm super proud of this. It took a lot of time and energy. I'm so excited about it. I try to then dismiss it or right. lessen and, it. You know, and instead, right. And instead, you should be applauding yourself. You should be saying, I am so proud of this book that I wrote. And it's a great book. And and that's me talking to, that's me saying, I can confirm this is a great children's book. But why do we have such inner doubt in what we can accomplish and what we can do? Why? Why? Right. And the thing with imposter syndrome, too, and we'll it's get into of, this lack of oh, confidence. Yeah, we'll get into this more also, because the thing about imposter syndrome is even when you're doing well, that's still not going to build you up and move you out of that category. It just kind of reinforces, oh, I got lucky or, oh, there must have been a circumstance outside of my control that has got me to this point rather than going internal and say, no, I earned this. Right. And it's one of those things where it really, it was one of those aha moments for me when this winemaker said to us, oh, I feel like an imposter every day. He said, I still feel like an imposter today. And he's been doing it for 19 years. And I can say that my imposter syndrome has faded with the more clients I have in the design field, with the more experience I get going to market, with all of the ins and outs of running the store. I don't feel like the imposter I felt like when I started this, but I still have those days where it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. It's like, why should they believe me? <laughs> It's so stupid. I completely I'm good get at what it. I do. That's why they should believe me because I'm good at what I do. Why is that so hard for me to accept? I'm good at what I do. Yeah, I think it's just a defense mechanism. And do you still, well, I'm happy like in the design world, you're feeling more confident and stepping away and letting go of that shadow of imposter. But do you still feel it as a podcaster that you're an imposter? Okay, this is an interesting question. I have in the past. But when Jeff and I were in the car driving home from Napa, we were on the Today Show SiriusXM channel. There were two women who were doing their podcast and they were terrible. And it was no one I knew, the names I didn't recognize. I don't know how they got their podcast on this network or on this channel on SiriusXM. But I looked at Jeff and I said, Michelle and I are a heck of a lot better than these two. How are they successful? <laughs> I Because they were terrible. And I thought, okay, you don't need to be great at what you do. You can carry on a good conversation and still be entertaining because if those two yahoos can do it, we certainly can do it. So I have kind of lost my imposter syndrome about doing the podcast. How are you feeling about it? Well, you know, I'm starting to gain a little bit of confidence with our podcasting just because we're sitting down now. We're at the point where we're having those conversations about the direction that we're going, mm -hmm. what we want to see, what we want out of it, what we want our audience to feel. I mean, we have been talking a lot about that lately, so people will see changes coming. But when I first started, there was a little bit of that imposter syndrome. Yes, we hired someone that did a great graphic. We have great cover art. We have editors that will help us in the areas 
that we're not good at. But then the rest kind of falls on our shoulders. And I know we have a great friendship. I'm just lucky I have that friendship. And I'm lucky that I can afford to pay the editors and get that out there. So that's kind of where I was sitting and putting it, you know, mm-hmm. it's just not me. Like, <laughs> this is something I'm just trying out. Right. It's a hobby because it was easier to do that than feel like the imposter that I kind of was feeling like, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it was easier than writing your second children's book. <laughs> but that, but well, I know that you have a second children's book in the works that I like as much as the first one. I'm just going to put that up there. And I'll just put this out here. That second children's book has been sitting in the same stage that it's currently in for two years because I feel like an imposter. Like, how am I ever (laughs) going to do this? I mean, that was just luck getting the first one done and having that experience. So, hmm, very interesting. Well, it is very interesting. And not to get off our imposter topic, but your second idea for a children's book is as good as the first idea. And I think it's going to be a charming book. Whenever you do finish it, it's going to be charming and it's going to be as great as the first one. But I want to get back to the imposter thing. So Jeff and I were talking then on our drive about, well, what makes good podcast? What draws us in other than podcasts about true crime or because I know those are really popular. But when there's conversation going on and not telling a story, what draws us in? quizzes draw me in when someone's asking the other person questions about themselves or quiz how because what's what I'm doing in my mind is I'm answering the quiz in my mind so I'm participating in the podcast and I think that's the number one thing for me that makes a podcast entertaining what do you think makes podcast entertaining I like quizzes and I like topics that get my attention and they like they feed something in me. I really, really liked our episode on expectations because that's something that intrigues me. How do we work through them? How do we make them not blocks? How, you know, it just is interesting to me. So something that a concept or an idea that someone will expand on and give me more information. I love that. I love true crime. I love the quizzes and I just really have to know that in my role right now, where we are and where we've chosen to be, I'm doing everything I can and I'm comfortable in it. So I have to release everything else and know that the social media part is hard for me. The word of mouth part is hard for me. The self-promotion part is hard for me. It's not who I am. So I need to find someone. We need to find someone to take that role. And Eva has talked to me about it. So hopefully when we sit down and talk, we can figure all that out. Absolutely. Did I answer your question or did I just just go on a rant? No, you you answered my question and then you went on a rant, but that's okay. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you did answer the question though. I guess it was my turn. True. I am. I just think that we can't be good at every aspect. It's kind of like in my store. I'm not good at every aspect of how to run a store. In fact, there are a lot of things I'm not good at, but I can still run a store. I just hire the right people to do the things I'm not good at. And I think with your book, your first children's book is a great example. You had the great story. You had the idea 
you had the vision, but you hired the artist to draw the illustrations because you're not an artist in that sense of the word. Exactly. And that is true. And I didn't know about social media and promoting and it came out in COVID. Like there are a lot of factors there. Mm -hmm. So I just have to, you know, I did my part and I feel like I did it well. And that's what I need to focus on rather than, oh, well, I only got it done because I was lucky. Exactly. So it's really funny that you mentioned quizzes because I happen to have one that pertains to imposter syndrome. So I was thinking maybe we could close out this episode taking the quiz. And then if our listeners want to go and take the quiz themselves and find out what type of imposter they are, they can do that. And then next week, maybe go, you know, do a little more research on imposter syndrome and then kind of go over exactly what it is and what you can do about it. Does that sound good? Sounds good to me. Okay, so I do have to say that finding an, a quiz we can do on our podcast on <laughs> imposter syndrome was really hard to do because many of those quizzes have such a psychological background or more of a clinical answer or more of a clinical reason behind it. But I did find right. one on Grammar lee.com it's spelled g-r-a-m-m-a-r-l-y.com and the quiz is called what kind of imposter syndrome do you have because apparently there's different types that you can have so it just says who it's knew? Ir- who yeah knew? who knew and the quiz is by kimberly jokey i'm sorry if i'm slaughtering her name but it's spelled j-o-k-i okay so it just says it's irrelevant that you've been working in your field for years, you're living in a fear of being outed as a fraud, a fake, a phony. This fear of being exposed as inadequate and unqualified literally keeps you from achieving your best professional self. It does says that we're not alone. In fact, everyone has experienced a case of this at some time in their life. So then it goes on to list the five different categories of being an imposter, the first one being the perfectionist, which I was sure I was going to get, but surprisingly I didn't because I've already taken it. The second one is the superwoman slash man. The next one is the natural genius. And then we have the rugged individualist. And then we have the expert. So those are the five different categories. Yes. So we're going to go through this quiz. I'm sure you're going to argue with it, but here we go. Probably. So should I should I predict which one I'm going to be? Like you predicted you were going to be in a perfectionist, but then you turned out not to be. So should yeah. I predict of those? Which um, one do you think you'll be? Well, I'm going to say superwoman. The genius one was tempting to pick, but I'll go with superwoman. Okay. Well, let's see what you get. Okay. Oh, and let me just state ahead of time. I haven't worked in an office for a while, so I just kind of used it in life or my experiences writing the book or you know, the podcast. So not a typical office setting. Okay. So how easy is delegating work for you? Is it very uncomfortable? I can do it when I need to. Basically impossible, pretty easy, or not a big deal. There's plenty of work to go around. I think it has become, I can do it when I need to, but it used to be nearly impossible. Okay. So you want to do I can do it when I need to? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, but I, okay. Yeah, but I'm going to qualify that with. Of course, you are. It used to be nearly impossible. 
Okay. Because that's who I am. That's noted in my notes and our listeners. Okay, here's question two. How do you feel when you miss a goal? Do you feel like you haven't been working enough? Do you feel like you let your team down? Do you feel like I'm just not able to do some things? Do you feel not qualified for your job? Or do you feel that you can't stop thinking that I'm not the right person for this job? I'm not the right person for this job. Okay. No argument. I mean, I'm not arguing against no you. Argument. I'm wondering. Okay. <laughs> nope. No argument. Okay. The next question. How do you feel when you're not working? Do you feel like you can breathe? Do you feel fairly calm? Do you feel stressed out to the max? Or do you just feel okay if everything's caught up? I feel okay if everything's caught up. Okay. Question number four. I leave the office, and there's only two choices, the first one being when my work is done or last, because there's always something to do. Ooh, that is a trick question. (laughs) Because sometimes I leave before my work is done. I'm just saying, I leave when I want to. Okay, we'll just do <laughs> we'll just do when my work is done because you'll get it done. There's only two yeah, choices. Yeah. Okay. I know. Next next question. What emotion do you feel when something goes wrong at work? Do you feel shame? Do you feel motivation? Or do you feel guilt? Guilt. Okay. Next question. How do you approach challenges? Do you work harder? Do you avoid them? Or do you set a goal to overcome it perfectly? I avoid them. That's what I answered too. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, wait, we, you're not answering these questions along with me. I know, I should have. I should have. Yeah. Well, I can go back, but then that would confuse everybody. I'll answer the last two. Okay. Okay. So which statement sounds more like you? I don't need anyone's help. All I know is that I don't know anything. If you're not going to do it well, why do it at all? Or I may have many faults, but being wrong isn't one of them. That sounds like, (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) And the last one, never put off until tomorrow what can be done today. Okay, so you think that I should answer, I'm never wrong? (laughs) Well, that you have many faults, but being wrong isn't one of them. Well, okay. Yeah, I have a hard time admitting if I am wrong. It's a rare day when I'm wrong, but we'll go with that one. I liked the second option. Well, you can go with that one. You don't have to do the one just because I said it. The second one was, all I know is that I don't know anything. Oh, well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, okay, so it's a toss-up between those two because I'm never wrong, but I also know when I don't know anything. So which one? (laughs) (laughs) don't know. <sighs> okay, I'm going to go with I'm never wrong. Okay. That's the one Even I think. I know it, I am wrong. Yeah, but you're just confident enough to work through it in a way that you still look like you're not. Well, at this point in my life, yes. So which one did you answer? I answered that I don't need anyone's help. I hate <laughs> asking for help. It's really, really hard for me to ask for help. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So... Last question. What's your approach to professional development? Do you hone your current skills to perfection? Do you take new trainings and certifications? 
Do you think refresher courses on skills that you haven't used in a while is good? Do you take on new tasks and put in more time or professional development question mark? <laughs> That's funny. I definitely do re refresher courses. Okay. And I would see that with you. I went between hone my current skills to perfection and new trainings and certifications are a must. And I think I did the new trainings. So I'm going to say for you though, refresh your courses on skills you haven't used in a while. Okay. Now we're waiting for your answer. Oh yeah. What do you mean? You're waiting for my answer. Well, your answer just came oh. through as to what you are. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was the last question. So, or so not answer the results. I'm waiting oh, the for result. them to give me the results. The results. I actually got the same thing. Let me just double check on mine because I took a picture of it. Okay. So I thought we would definitely be different, but we're not. Mm -hmm. We're geniuses. Is that the well, one? no, no, you got it right. Um, we are both superheroes. <laughs> oh, and the definition of the superhero oh. imposter. Let's see, the superhero imposter, and I'm quoting this, reading it word for word from this article. The superhero imposter is one who feels like a less legitimate professional than their colleagues and takes on more and more and pushes hard to seem like the real deal. In fact, superhero imposters are workaholics hooked on the validation they get from work rather than the actual work. Fixing this kind of imposter syndrome should be focused on training yourself to find internal validation rather than external validation. And by shifting your focus, you'll learn how to incorporate more balance into your workload. Okay, then. Do you agree with that? I do, especially As the validation of who you are. Yeah, especially the validation portion, because while I can be doing something, it's not until someone else says, oh, I like that, or you're right on track that I find success. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. How about you? Do you agree with it? Well, I think I would agree with it. I don't consider myself a workaholic, although I do start work when I wake up at like 6 a.m. And I work until I decide I'm done for the day. So I quit whenever I'm ready to quit. And then the other thing is, it was based on what you said. Remind me what you said. That I... About validation. Yeah. About that, validation. Right. That I find external validation from the world around me oh. more mm -hmm. rewarding than me telling myself I did a good job. Okay. And I will agree with that. I will agree with that. I had something to add to that, but it's probably irrelevant. Well sometimes we add irrelevant stuff. What is it? Because maybe someone else is like, yes, yes, that's what I was wanting her to say. Well, okay. So here's the deal is when I feel like an imposter, I don't feel like an imposter as much as I used to, because it used to be when I was a designer and I came in and my client didn't necessarily go with the idea, my original idea that I had for their space. I took it too personally and so then I wasn't getting validated and it was confirming that I was an imposter. Like, gosh, I don't really know what I'm doing anymore. But I have learned over the years that that's not the case, that this is not personal. This is just someone with a disagreeing with my opinion. And all I have to do is go back and find a different vision for them that they will like. And that always works. So it's like, it's about taking it personally and looking at it from a different perspective and saying, wait, this isn't personal. This has nothing to do with how good I am at what I do. It has to do with doing what my client wants me to do. 
And that makes so much sense. And another thing about external validation also is the way I would react to somebody sharing something with me might be completely different than the way someone else would react. So if I were to read someone's book that they had just written, I would be so excited and over the top, like I really like this. And I would be pointing out examples and, you know, doing all of that Mm -hmm. where someone else might be like, oh, you know, more quiet about it, more reflective. Like I'm going to sit there and I'm going to think about it for a while and, but it's good. And just leave it at that, that it's good is enough. Whereas me, I'm like, have to be over the top because I like validation but it doesn't mean other people necessarily right. give it the same way. Yeah, that's a really good point. Really, yes. really good point. Now, the only problem I find with this quiz, and I was hoping you got something different from me mm-hmm. so we would at least know what two of the different syndromes are. I don't know because it right. only gives me what we got. So I might have to take the test four more times to figure out how to get another answer so I can come back and say, well, <laughs> this is what... Yeah, the perfectionist yeah. is, or this is what the natural genius is. So we might have to do that. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. That's a really good idea. We'll fake okay. it. We'll fake it. And <laughs> kind of like the like the imposter syndrome. We'll fake right. it. Right. And they recommended a really good book. And so maybe, you know, we even take a couple weeks break from this, read the book and come back with our own notes. But it's by Valerie Young. And the name of the book is The Secret Thoughts of Successful Women, Why Capable People Suffer from the Imposter Syndrome and How to Thrive in Spite of It. Now, I haven't read the book. I can't give it a recommendation, but they're recommending it. So maybe it's something to look at. Oh, good to know. Okay. I think that's what we should do is we should read the book and come back to it. Okay. I like that. And I think I just want to close this to give everybody something to think about it in our off weeks before we come back to it. Mm -hmm. But in the verywellmind.com article, which is called What is Imposter Syndrome? So please go to that and read it. I'll put it in the show notes. Towards the end of the article, they said something which I thought was very profound and something for us all to think about in the next couple of weeks. And what it says is if you, and this is a quote, if you are feeling like an imposter, Mm -hmm. you have some degree of success in your life that you are attributing to luck. And I think that's very profound. And I've had another person, my friend Stacy, say that to me in life. So I think we'll just leave it there. Think about that statement. And until next time, cheers, everyone. Cheers.